0: Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. We've seen some innovations come out of the pandemic with respect to the increased need for lab testing. And I think some of these innovations will have applications in the future as well. Today, biomedical scientist Bamedel Ferenre returns to the podcast, and we're going to talk about some of the things she's been up to since the last time we spoke. She's now the project lead for mobile processing units, which travel around the UK to provide rapid COVID testing for underserved areas or areas where there's a new outbreak. All right, here's Bami Ferenre. Well, first of all, welcome back to the show. This is your second time on. uh, So I I appreciate you coming back on. And this will be interesting to kind of get an update uh, on the things that you've been up to since the last time you were on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me back.
0: All right. So the first thing, the last time we spoke, you were talking about kind of the effect that that COVID-19 has been having on virology and what you what you thought or the effect that it would have on sort of the future of the field. So can you kind of give us an update on what's happening in your own work uh, with regard to the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, back then I was right. And, you know, it has brought virology to the limelight and it still is. Because, um, as you know, we're constantly ramping up on COVID testing and different uh, pathology disciplines. have actually been involved with COVID testing, so it's not just in virology, like the likes of um, chemistry, um, laboratory medicine. Everyone has just been, you know, ramping and just making sure that we're able to increase capacity testing, so that we be able to test more people than we would normally if we were just doing to just in virology discipline, and um, you know, every we day broken that silos working there's a lot of um interrelationship working between all different departments in pathology as you know we have many arms many disciplines in virology everyone has been trying to ensure that you know we work together as a team to make sure that we're able to you know fight the pandemic and ensure that people are actually seen on time tested on time and we're able to actually contain the the, the, sp- the rate of spread
0: well, what about things like the staffing issues i mean are, have you seen like staffing shortages like here i mean like you said different areas of the lab are kind of chipping in and, and you know there's people that uh, you know actually in, you know in histology department where i work you know have been helping out in microbiology because of the increased work and the kind of lack of staff are you seeing kind of the same thing
1: yeah and you know to be honest with you we've seen uh a surge in um, the number of staff that are not necessarily from virology ba- uh, background, like we are getting staff from hematology, chemistry, histopath, you know, um, blood sciences, you know, from all different um, arms of pathology have been coming together. Like for instance, the project I'm working on, I, I mean, I can, we can literally count the number of um, biomedical scientists that are from virology background. A lot of them have just picked up the technology, they've learned the skills, the assay, and you know, they have transferable skills that has been able to help out. Because as you know, um, virology is such a small niche. Is a small discipline within as part of microbiology, but on its own, it's not that big, and you don't have a lot of people, especially in the UK, specialising in virology. But we've seen a surge in, you know, different disciplines coming together and just ensuring that we work together collaboratively, and just um, just to um, ramp up capacity testing for COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, uh, amid all of the really bad things that have come out of this pandemic, there have been a few good ones. And I think that's one that you just pointed out, kind of all the different departments and the different disciplines coming together and working for, yeah, for like a common cause.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been beautiful in the sense that, um, you know, we're even sharing like equipment, you know, they're sharing departments, they're sharing a lot of things where normally Mm -hmm. that wouldn't happen you know they're giving up the space people are volunteering we have uh, more volunteers that you would have seen in 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 history that have come out not just for the covid testing also for people that are giving the vaccine you know vaccinations a lot of people are coming out in their master a lot of people that have retired they have coming back into the you know just for their Mm -hmm. sake of 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 COVID testing. So it's been phenomenal. It's the sense of like community coming together and just ensuring that, you know, together we can fight this. Together we we, we can we can see a change. You know, so it's it's been it's been really good. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. a positive. It's been positive. I mean yes, you are right. Um there are there's a lot of negative with it because a lot of a lot of us I, I think um COVID impacted a lot of lives. And I can say that a, a lot of families, even myself, we've lost um, loved ones and um, that we can't take that away. You know, that's that's something that w- will always stay with us. Right. So for us to to be able to work together in the in the in the health care field to just, you know, so to, to move on. It's it's really it's, it's a really positive note.
0: Uh, over the summer, we kind of emailed a little bit and you were telling me about an article that you were working on. For the Institute of Biomedical Sciences, for uh, regarding the increase in variance, can you mm-hmm. tell me about that? How, what what's the status of that uh, project?
1: Well, so that um, one was actually, that the um, article was more related to us preparing for the winter seasons. And as you know, like since COVID, um, normal respiratory, the winter ones that we would normally diagnose or, you know, look out for COVID has really taken over. And then I feel that there's been like Um, on the diagnosis of other uh, respiratory viruses since the beginning of COVID and then that was just a way of saying okay so how are we going to be able to cope like is it going to change now that the, the weather is changing you know all across the world especially in the United Kingdom are we prepared for the surge and as you know just like last month, or um, yeah, actually towards the end of October, stroke November, there was there was talks about um, how we're going to be able to cope. but You know, the the weather is just changing then, especially in the United Kingdom, and how we're going to prepare for winter season. And as you know, during winter times, <laughs> that more sickness, respiratory viruses all over. So um, it was just a question of how we're we going to ramp up to ensure that we're able to increase testing. Because you know people will get sick in that time period just from the normal um, winter viruses. Yeah, so that that article was more about how we're going to cope, and it was more about um, more on um, what what are the, what are the attitudes of people, especially in these times. Do we have to continue wearing masks? As you know, there was a time that they relaxed the restrictions. I mean, the rules about how we should be moving about, wearing masks in public places, mm-hmm. or you know, reducing social gatherings and things like that you know there was that there was that leeway and then now that this new um variant is out we're now back to more or less I mean, I, I would call it like a, a mini lockdown. It's not really lockdown because, as you know, it's Christmas time. Families want to gather together. They want to see their loved ones that they haven't seen in Lord knows how many months because of COVID. And then now that this new variant is coming out, new restrictions are coming in, and um, it, it's becoming like you know it be more challenging again. And I know, like in all all over the world, there are different ways that people that the government are actually dealing with this but i know definitely in the in the uk they now mandatorily you're going on public, in public places especially in public transport even at work mandatorily especially in the laboratory you have to wear your mask you know social distancing we're trying to practice that again you know people have re- some people have relaxed but um You know we're just not we're trying not to be too relaxed so that it doesn't hit us again and then just make sure that we still maintain that social distancing we still continue to wash our hands to wear a mask and just you know educate people because it's all about education as well just making people aware of the impact that this is having on you know everywhere so um yeah it it was it was a it was a timely article actually
0: yeah Definitely. And, you know, you're, you're right about it. Just educating people. I mean, it's still after what's been almost two years of this now, there's still a need for, you know, to get information out to more people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like it's really hard to do. And I don't know what the correct answer for, you know, the, the best method to do that.
1: I think it's just more about like, you know, like encouraging ourselves, you know, more about encouraging people to, to to look out for each other. So because some people might be like, oh, what is it? I don't have it. You know, the, the thing about it is like a lot of people are carrying the virus, walking around, and they don't know. You know, people might tell you, oh, but I don't have symptoms. That is even the more reason why you have to take precautions because you don't know if you're actually actively shedding virus and you're transmitting it to the to, to the people around you. So um, yeah, it's all we, we I mean, we can't keep quiet with regards to the education. I think we just have to. I mean, all over the, especially in the UK, I know there's announcements everywhere. Like you know, in the public transport, public places, there are notices everywhere just to make people aware and so that they're conscious. Because we have to be intentional. We have to be conscious of our attitude. As you know, attitudes have changed since the since the beginning of COVID in the way that we move about and the way we congregate and in the way we do a lot of our things. So, um, yeah, we just we just have to keep at it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always going to be resistance. People will, they will, I mean, as you know, there are different categories of people that can wear masks or cannot wear masks. So, you know, like some people are exempt. And, you know, ordinarily, it's not something that you would do, like, especially wearing masks, you know, because people feel like, what's the need? What does it do? And then it's just about that, you know, it comes again, being enlightened, because the more aware people are, the the more they are clear, just making it simple, nothing complicated, then it's something that it, it, it would, you know, they will be more able to then embrace it.
0: I think this touches on, and I believe we talked about this the last time you were on that resilience aspect that I know uh, that's something that that's kind of a concept that you're interested in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before we get into kind of your latest project, which something I really want to dig into, I I think it was just a few weeks ago you completed. So this is your fourth IBMS CPD diploma.
1: Mm -hmm. And And
0: I, and I saw you, I think you posted this on LinkedIn and now For me, being in the US, I don't really understand what all of this is. So can you kind of go through like, what is this? And then what was involved to complete this diploma?
1: All right. So our CPD is Continuous Professional Development. And it's, uh, it's an initiative that is encouraged, you know, across all organizations, especially uh, as a biomedical scientist in your field of practice. That's how you keep abreast of your uh, of development within the field. And it's something that you, you have to um, be intentional about it. So it it it's a personal initiative where you where you feel like you have to take active part, and it's just uh the what it is the diploma the um, the IBMS is the institute professional body for biomedical scientists in the United Kingdom, and so what the CPD is is a way that you're able to learn more about the profession. Um, it's a way where you do different activities. It could be in the form of, um, that they've, um, revamped the, the CPD diploma so much more. Cause when I first started, all you have to do, you attend an event and you call it CPD points. But now they've changed it so much that it's more, um, enlightening that you're able to reflect is more about reflective learning because sometimes you know we just we just um we partake in activities and that's about it but the way the new way it is now is like when you partake in an activity you get time to reflect on it so there, uh, there has to be an outcome what is the outcome of that for instance one of the activities that are completed could be like I wrote an SOP, um, standard uh, operating procedure for a particular essay or for assay or particular process in, in the laboratory. And then I will write about that. So by doing that, so I was, I would name the actual activity that I did. And then I'll say, what is the outcome? What did I learn? And then also, how has that improved my practice? So what I've learned, I've actually put it to practice because there's something about the say until you apply knowledge is useless. You know, so you acquire knowledge, but you need to apply that knowledge for it to for it, for you to see the the advantage of that knowledge that you've acquired, and then that's essentially what that CPD diploma is. And uh, I, I would encourage a lot of people. Do you know what the for the funny thing is? We actually all do CPD. It could be you mentoring somebody. It could be you learning something new. It could be like a, a new equipment has been installed in your department or anything. You know, you could do CPD on virtually anything and then the, but the, what makes it useful and worthwhile is your, reflex, your, is your reflection on, the, on, on any activity that you, t- and that you do. And most importantly, because as healthcare scientists, we're more about an improved patient outcome. So how would it benefit the patient? How would it benefit the service users? That is the end point.
0: That I like that a lot. Yeah, the the reflection and how that affects the patients. I really like the idea. You know, because a lot of these things are very like, it's kind of passive learning. I guess you kind of sit through mm-hmm. a a presentation or something. But the idea of having to apply it for some kind of outcome that that makes a lot more sense.
1: Mm, absolutely. Because, like I said, is is like you acquire knowledge until you apply it. it's as good as you don't you don't have that knowledge you know so and and it's so important because a lot of the times we, we do things but you know like you said it's passive you just be like yeah you you listen to a lecture and that's about it you forget about the lecture but it's actually useful there's a reason why you've attended that lecture and you never know and it's all about improving services as well because a lot of the activities that i do or that i take part in for instance um volunteering is so, is so that, or, or maybe visiting schools to, to, to talk to, um, students about the biomedical science field, you know, careers is all about just, is that education again? Letting people know, you know, being, being, creating a platform, a, a, a voice so that people will know more, especially our, as healthcare scientists, a lot of the time we're not, uh, we're not known. We're not known as as doctors and nurses or or engineers. You know those are the normal um, popular um, careers that people know about. But as healthcare F- scientists, which I can't even begin to name how many different uh, disciplines or you know specialties or, that that there is. And so that's that's like an F- avenue as well. And it's all about knowing more about what is happening in the field as a whole not just biomedical science in health as a whole
0: okay i see that makes a lot of sense and that you know like you said you know, having to apply it that that makes you you remember the things that you learn which i think if it was more passive you, you probably wouldn't so that's a really great program and and congratulations on on achieving that that's that's awesome
1: it took me years <laughs> <laughs>
0: The, is that, the, the,
1: the fourth one took me years.
0: <laughs> is, that, is that typical for that? I mean, as, as you go along, does it it's take not more?
1: Normally, normally it doesn't take me long at all. But the thing about it, so because what happened was I actually did the activities, but I wasn't recording it. And then imagine trying to remember all the activities that you've done or attended or it's 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 not easy. So I won't do that again. Absolutely not. <laughs>
0: Okay, and then is is there is there another step after this? I mean, is there a fifth diploma?
1: Oh yeah, I'm already enrolled. I've started, and what I've done this time around, I've started writing it out immediately because being doing reflective writing, it's a bit, um, it's a bit tough because you have to really sit down and think about the activity, and like I said, what is the outcome, which is the most important thing. So now I'm not letting it, immediately I complete the activity, give it a day or two, I'm writing it, reflecting on it, and then, of course, with regards to how you then apply that in your discipline or in your work, that it's it's something that takes place over time. You can always go back to reflect, but at least you put something down of okay. This is how this will actually improve service or improve the way I work or improve it. whatever it is that you feel that there will be an improvement. That is part mm. of quality improvement, yeah. And then and then you just put it down. Oh yeah, okay. so there'll be fixed, there'll be six until 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 I can't do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know, learning is continuous. Learning is lifelong. You, you can never stop learning.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I totally agree with that. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Bamadel Ferrenry. Ferenre. We'll be right back. LabVine has recently reached 5,000 members, and they're running a Lucky Draw giveaway to celebrate. All you need to do to enter is refer a friend. So log into LabVine, click the Refer a Friend button and enter their name and email address. Now, there is no limit to how many people you can refer, but each person has to be either a laboratory professional or someone who works in the healthcare field. And if you're not already a LabVine member, you can follow the link in the show notes to sign up and check out some of the great courses that they have to offer. Dress has been designing and manufacturing high quality scrubs since 1980. The prices are affordable, the shipping is very fast, and the scrubs have lots of pockets, which I really like. I actually have several sets of these myself. So check out Dress Ahmed by using the link in the show notes. You can sign up for their loyalty program for free and earn special offers and discounts. Now back to Bamadel Ferenre on the People of Pathology podcast. Let's let's talk then about your, your latest project. So this is the Mobile Processing Unit Vans, or MPUV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're the you're the project lead for this. So this is mobile processing of of COVID testing. Is that is that what it is?
1: Yeah, that is that is yes.
0: All right. So what's the origin of this project? How did this start? Well,
1: I think this project was birthed as a result of um, response being able to actually rapidly respond to COVID testing. As you know, that there's a lot of pressure on the hospitals, both privates and um, on NHS to actually increase testing for COVID. And as you know, like, you know, positive rate increasing and then so, and then the traditional or the normal way, which is the gold standard for um, diagnosis is uh, PCR, which actually takes, um, when you initially started, we're doing like between 36 hours before patients get their results or citizens get their results. And the reason for this is because when samples are taken, Unless the samples are taken in the hospital, even when they're taken in the hospital, they still have to be taken to the lab. Once they're taken to the lab, then it takes like, you know, a couple of hours before they actually get tested. And then once they're tested and the the result is available, then you make the results available from the laboratory to the doctors, who then make it available to the patient. You can see that time, that timeline. So uh, the whole idea of this mobile processing unit is to ensure, it's, it's point of care. It's a point of care, making Diagnostic service available at the point of need. I mean, the point of care speaks for itself. So the way it works is we're like a mobile lab. So rather than people going to your traditional laboratory to have the sample to for the sample to be taken there. So we move in, in a van. So it's like a lab in a van. And then the way then there's a testing site, you know, people where people go for their samples to be taken and is within like a few meters away from us. So once the samples are taken, they brought to us directly, like into the van, we do the testing and our turnaround time is about six hours. That's a massive reduction in turnaround time. And the, the yeah. whole point is that we can stop transmission. Because immediately we be pick that uh, our citizen are said as positive, the result goes out like within even sometimes less than six hours, and then we're able to stop transmission because that means that person will immediately need to be isolated and and so that's the power that's the power of that of that project in, in what it does, and it has been successful in that we've been able to deploy to um different locations within the u k and ensure that we are able to actually provide um, COVID testing to citizens, and then we've been able to actually—it's been successful in what it's been projected to do.
0: Like, what what kind of area does do these vans cover?
1: Well, it's, it's a large area in in the UK, so it's like it's national. We we could be called to go anywhere in the UK, and they've been going to different areas, like it could be schools, it could be like uh, clinics, it could be. Where institutions it depends where the, where the, whenever there's a there's an outbreak then it is a government or project and it's the government that determines the locations where we the the, the vans deploy to. So it's a it's an area of need. So wherever the need is required, that is where the, the the van will deploy.
0: I think it would be interesting to kind of go through sort of sort of a typical day, uh, mm-hmm. in the in the mobile processing unit. So. Can you kind of take us through that, like the, you know, uh, like a a typical day from beginning to end? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So a typical day, it's so different from your normal laboratory, uh, to, uh, you know, typical day in a lab because this mm-hmm. is a mobile lab. So when the, the 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 van is moving, it's like from one location to another. So a typical day will start something like hmm, about uh, seven a.m. in the morning. So the, the, the staff members, they, they are at a particular location where they're picked up by the logistic team from that location. And then they take into their hub site. We have different hubs that cover different patches, different um, catchment, different geographical areas within the UK. And then um, so like typical, uh, they start in 7 a.m., they go to the hub side the hub side is where we have the all the things that we need like reagents and um you know uh uh consumables and things like that that's been picked mm-hmm. up. We have the drivers that do the the driving around for, of the van of course for it to go to location. We have welfare um cars as well that goes with the team and then so we once we're given a location then the the team moves so we move like a a team of it depends if it's one van a team of three to four and then we just we got we just move to that location and then we spend the whole day there more or less typical day like eight or six a um to six p.m but we start earlier than that because we have to journey to whichever area or location that we've been deployed to for that particular day and then um That's it. Like it's more or less like a 10 hour. Sometimes it's longer depending if the the day goes well, then yes, we will finish like typically 6 p.m. And as you can imagine, no day is the same. Like you can't even begin to think of issues that you could encounter in any given day. And I, I don't think there's been a day where everything has just gone without anything happening like you could have Mm. equipment breakdown you could have issues with the van you could have as you would normally in any organization staff sickness we have holidays so there's a lot of things that that um that are challenges that we see encounter on a normal day but the most important thing is the fact that Despite it all, we're still able to provide a service. And in the event that we're not able to provide service, we have more than one band. You know, the services, if we can't finish from one area, we could actually, you know, um, transfer to another so that there will be a continuity in service. And then, um, and we will still be able to actually, uh, you know, at least deliver service for the day. On the days that we're not able to deploy, we know what that means. That means we're not going to be able to test uh, people. And then that means that the areas that we're not able to go to, then they probably will be redirected to another laboratory for them to actually do the testing and all that. But it, it can be, and then as you know, it dep- it's weather dependent as well. We travel from one location to the other, so there could be traffic and then... I think most important is is the team attitude, the, the 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 mental welfare of the team. That is what's been sustaining um the project. Because imagine being away from home for like for so we do like shift system where we do like four days on, four days off. So a lot of our staff members they stay are they stay away from home for that for the duration of that day. So you can imagine that it is a highly pressured um a role job. But at the same time, it's rewarding because for the majority of us that are there, what it means is that we're making a difference. You understand? It's like a sense of community, giving back to the community. Yes, it is a job that we're employed to do, but we do it because we're passionate about it and we're making a difference to humanity. And as you know, I mentioned earlier on that a lot of us have been impacted by COVID. So we will do whatever we can to ensure that, you know, we lend a hand and make sure that together we fight, we fight it.
0: Sounds like a high pressure kind of position and you know, you're working all day. So I, I think that's probably not a position for everyone, but if you've got mm-hmm. the the right kind of attitude, uh, you know, and the, the sort of resilience to do it, I, I think that, yeah, you, you're right. That would be very rewarding to do.
1: That is the word. I think it is. It is resilience. <laughs> if you don't have that, you have to have that mental aptitude. You, otherwise, you'll be like, I mean, as with any job, all jobs have its pressure. But this one is so different because things, is so fluid. Things change by the minute. And when I say by the minute, it changes by the minute. So you have to, be, you have to be flexible, adaptable. You just have to be ready, ready
0: mm-hmm. for it. Do you happen to know how many how many vans are there in this? Like, is there a fleet of them, or, or do there you is, even know? There
1: are a fleet of vans. We have vans, and then we have trailers as well. I mean, I, I'm not in charge. I, I I wasn't the lead. I'm not the lead for the trailers, but we do have trailers, and we have vans as well. So we have we started with fourteen fleets of vans.
0: And, and roughly, like how many staff members? You, I mean, you said there was like three to four per van.
1: Yeah, it it it's a, we're talking about a huge. It's a big workforce for 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 the project. Like, uh, let me see. Still counting. I think we've gone up to just just the APS, the associate practitioners, and the medical laboratory assistants alone. There's about one hundred twenty, and then the BMSS. I think if I'm still counting, there's about thirty. So in total, we're nearing that to, before I'm thinking we will be nearing 200 soon (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we're constantly recruiting. And as you know, it has a high turnover of staff as because of the nature of the job as well. So we're constantly like having to
0: backfill. And and you said this has been highly successful. I mean, I, 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 I can imagine that that it would be. You know, I I know that you you like to write about the experiences that you have. Is this something that, like, in the future, would you would you write about this once it's kind of all over or mostly over? Yeah,
1: it will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that definitely, definitely. It, it it's an it's an it's something that it's here to stay. Like, you know, it it it's one of, you know one of those experiences that you can't just get away from. Right. You know, yeah. it, 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 it leaves a Mac. Yeah. So definitely, we, we will be writing about it.
0: <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I yeah. look forward to, to reading that. Now, uh, like we said, this has been successful. I mean, are there plans to expand it to get more vans and more trailers and, and more staff, you know, given the success so far?
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that that's already on the way. That's already on the way. Because the more vans we have, you, uh, the, the more. We can increase testing, we can increase the uh, capacity and even and definitely more stuff as well. And it's, this is another avenue for workforce development because we have a lot of graduates on our skin on the project like you know literally coming out of uni and this will would, this will would be their first job a lot of them haven't been in a lab before so it's 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 just an amazing project it's a it's a learning tool for everyone where we get to train we develop the stuff the technology that we're using is is relatively new lamp technology it's it's gaining a lot of um recognition And uh, it's something that definitely it will continue into the future. Even after COVID, the vans will still be abused because, as you say, mobile labs, can you imagine that? I think we're the first in the UK to do that as well. Even after COVID, they they can still use those vans for other things. Basically, just making services available to citizens where they need them. And you know there's a lot of talking there's a lot of talk about um translational medicine where now you're able to take mm-hmm. it, the, the service to the to the people at home. So making it more um personal, personalized, you know. And um so I think that's that that's that's a driving force now and that's the future. And it makes a lot of difference. It makes a lot of difference. Imagine having to wait thirty six hours compared to having to wait six hours for results. Right. It makes a lot of difference with infection for infection control, um, you know, uh, point of view as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I didn't think about what you just said that you know having having that available not only for COVID testing but for other things as well, and that that's a big push right now making lab testing more uh, available for patients. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. know, so so this is bringing it to them instead of having them have to come to the hospital or doctor's office or whatever. So the, yeah, that's great. That's, I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted to talk about with you, and we talked about this a little bit the last time, but kind of want to go a little bit more in depth today. So you also work as a STEM ab- ambassador and that you've been doing this for several years now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. All right. All right. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about this. What kind of work are you doing in this area?
1: So as a STEM ambassador, actually, let me, I'll tell you a little story about how I I, um, happened to start volunteering as an ambassador. Okay. Because I, I remember like back, I think right from college days, I remember trying to choose my subject. It was just like, when you have information, you're able to make informed choices. And I found that there wasn't that many role models around, well definitely not from my viewpoint anyway. It it made it a bit a bit more challenging. You know, like if you for instance, if you have doctors in in in, in, in your community or even in your family or so, you could actually speak to them and you can give you information or I mean I'm just using doctor as an example. Any kind of mm-hmm. career that you have people that have been there, done that. Um, they'll be able to enlighten you. And but the thing about it, yeah, it might not even be the, the generation where they did it is different. As you know, things are constantly evolving, careers are evolving. So many like thirty years ago, uh, the route for you to be become a doctor or become a nurse or an engineer is not the same as is it as it is in this generation that we are now. And then so I I thought, you know what? What I didn't there was something that was missing. And I thought, I could be that. Because now I, I found out, you know, when you have to find information yourself, you're actively seeking, being intu- intuitive and just making sure that, okay, I don't know this. How do I find out? And at times, some of them, you just happen to find out by chance. So I thought, you know what? I, I, could, be, I could be the change that I want to see. I think that is where it all came from and giving back to the community as well, because I know the difference that it will make. And that that is where it came that I thought you know what I am going to be a STEM ambassador and and also because my uh, profession as a biomedical uh, in biomedical science it's as big as it is not a lot of people know about it because it's like a it's a it's a arm of science that and it goes into like healthcare science where a lot of people they're not really exposed. And it comes again also now to just making information available to people so that they can, Then people are not just thinking, oh, oh, when you study STEM, that all you can just be is a doctor or a nurse or, you know, or a science teacher or a lawyer, you know, all those sort of things like that. That was what actually encouraged me and motivated me to become a STEM ambassador. And I can tell you the impact has been, it's been amazing. Do you understand? It's it's something that um, when you could when you could see the results, the, the schools that I've been to, the teachers that we spoke to, the students like coming back and saying thank you for this, thank you for that, because there's a lot of things that we, activities that we do. Just we make it fun as well. It's not just about. And I I tend to talk about my journey. I think when people can relate with you, it makes it more. Um, more easy for them to actually understand where you're coming from and actually to be able to learn from you. Because I, I, I tell my story. I tell my story of how I, how I did in college. You know, a lot of times when, when we, we, we don't always see success, we don't tend to think about the failures that comes with it. You know when we fail what well, what do you do in that time when where you feel like you know what, well, I don't think I can go on, I don't think I can carry on and that is the story that I use because when you go into schools a lot of the time you find some of our some students they don't have directions, some of them. Um, you know, it might be because of their background, socioeconomic uh, background, and they're not really exposed. They don't have that information. And you just go in there. It's not just me. There's a whole lot of um, people that are actually volunteering, especially as STEM ambassadors, just to make people aware. And we go even into nursery schools. You'd be amazed how you can simply explain the, the, the profession. To kids mm-hmm. the, the, at the age of like five, six years old, and if you see the excitement on their faces, especially when when we do a little bit of like experiments and then we show them this is science, just making science enjoyable, because a lot of time when people hear about science, they think. Mi mixing potions that is the one I get a lot from the from the kid are you are you guys are you, are you are you the one um responsible for the volcanoes are you the oh, wow. <laughs> do you okay. mix potions yeah, it's amazing the sort of questions that they ask, and then you're like, wow, so I mean that's what makes it fascinating that's what makes it you know worthwhile that you're able to influence the mind at such a young age. And apart from the younger ones as well, people, the, the, the ones that are ready to start picking their careers, you know, they're picking their subjects as well. Just having that information. Sometimes they just want to hear that story. You know, you know a lot of times when you've been through something and somebody is going through it and then they're like, oh, if you can do it, then I can do it. That that yeah, is the right. That that's the mentality. Yeah, like if they see you that despite all these others, and I can tell you I have I've experienced a lot of challenges in my career, you know, today. And and it's actually the the important, that's it's also important for you to have a, a good support system. It's so important. Because it makes a lot of difference. Support system could be in the form of your family, your care, your um, co-workers, you know, colleagues. It could be in the community. As long as you have a strong support system, it makes a lot of difference. And 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 that has been. And I've not stopped. I'm I'm still, I'm still going strong because you know that you can see that you can see the difference. You know when you're doing something. And You can see the change, you can see the impact, you know, being positive, positively impacting my world. That is why I see it. I call myself uh, a change agent, you know, like a trailblazer mm, okay. in my profession. So, and it, it would be nice to actually see more people. I, I do actively actually encourage my co workers, my colleagues, because some of them they just, you know, and you know, everybody just you get busy with work. And then work alone is even stressful, rather than you trying to take on more things, you know, along the way as well. And um, yeah, a, a lot of them they they have taken it up, and they 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 did say, you know what, me, this is good. This is this is what we call shared learning as well. You're you're transferring your knowledge, you know, to, yeah, right. to, to make yeah to make the world go far. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that's how we're going to be raising the younger generations. You you need to transfer that knowledge. We can't keep it
0: right now speaking of the younger generations i mean you mentioned you know going to some of the schools is it even more important for you i mean being a woman in stem to try to kind of inspire those the young, the young women in those schools to to look at your career or, or others like it
1: yes because uh, i have what i've found especially from research as well, is that a lot of um girls they they take up science subjects and then by the time they finish like secondary school, high school, they're like, you know, they're not interested anymore or they feel, like, oh, I'm not good at it or I'm not enjoying it. And and that's sometimes it's just purely because they're not sure of the careers they could do at the end of it. And and also, and there's some there's some um, areas of STEM that they would like to go into. For instance, they, for instance, engineering, even the, my, my role as a biomedical scientist, a lot of people will be like, no, it's not for me. I, I can't do it. It's too much science, whereas it's not. You know, it's it's healthcare. Yes, it's healthcare science, and it's actually something that, and sometimes you know, it has to do with personalities as well. There's there's I'm um, um, part of the um Wise campaign, where as a role module we have this thing they call um people like me. But now they've changed it. It's now called My Skills My Life. The reason they were calling it people um people like me is that you go by like personalities. So if people see me especially if as a uh, a woman in STEM uh, from a BAME background as well, they'll be like, oh, if she can do it, then, oh, they see more of, you know, when they're able to relate with you and they say, okay, then that means there's more of me in there. There's someone like me in this profession yeah. that I can do it. So, yeah, that, that is the mindset.
0: That that's, that's a awesome, positive message. I I, I love it. That's the, I, I love the work that you're doing. I, you should be very proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Bammy, it, it was great to talk with you again and, and, and get an update on what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you've had several really kind of positive messages throughout this conversation. Uh, so I, I, re- I really appreciate your time and I appreciate that we were able to do this. So Bami Frenry, once again, thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Jenny's.
0: Great big thanks to Bami Frenry. And if you missed the first time she was on the podcast, here's a trailer from that conversation. And then I'll be back with some final comments on this episode. What do you think the future of virology will look like? What I'm trying to get at is, do you think the COVID-19 pandemic will change the field or will it have a permanent effect on on the field?
1: Um, I think the future of virology is bright. So I mean, virology is like a fast emerging key discipline within modern healthcare, like you know, pathology and laboratory medicine. And is presently right. at the forefront of diagnostic advances due to SARS-CoV-2, which, you know, is definitely the future is um, is bright. I can say, you know, certainty that biology in this in in this era will continue to prosper. And this is more attributed to like, you know, driver forces like uh, technology development, advancement, development within the discipline itself, public health, you know. The, changing demographics for uh, public health, information processes. There's a lot of data that's available. You know, and of course, people are curious now, you know, especially with this COVID, it got a lot of people. People are, how do you say, researching all the time. They want to know more. Okay,
0: You can hear the rest of this conversation with Bammy Frenry in episode 58. This was a really interesting conversation. I mean, Bami is very passionate about the work that she does. She's very involved in her field, uh, not only in biomedical science, but as a STEM ambassador as well, like we talked about. So it's always fun to get her point of view on things. And like we talked about, I mean, these mobile processing units could have applications after the pandemic is over, you know, giving patients access to lab testing closer to home so they wouldn't have to travel, you know, going to underserved areas and... There are places here in my own state where there's a lack of access to healthcare. So I think things like this, where it's more availability for patients and better access, I mean, mean, that can only be a good thing. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything we talked about today. And don't forget you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others, and together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being, and you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology Podcast.